Hello. Hi. I throw my hands up in the air sometimes. That's a say good. It, hey, oh, That's a good song. Go. Huh? That's a good song. Um, I I I am cursed. Do you want to hear my new curse? Yeah. Uh, a mutual friend of ours who who is somewhat surprisingly uh, kind of an expert on on mashups. He he decided he's going to get me going on mashups. Okay. So John Syracuse has sent me a whole bunch of mashups, and and they're all really really good. But have you heard Dynamite? With Under Pressure by Queen? No, I have not heard that. All right, well, we'll save it for, for the after dark. But it's, uh, I literally wake up, not even in the morning, I wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes <laughs> racked with fear and anxiety. And here's, yeah, here's what's yes. going, here's the top layer of the stack going through my head. Okay. Ready? You yes. Ready? Uh-huh. I throw my hands up in the air sometimes, saying, ew. <clears throat> so that's me at 3.30 a.m. Uh-huh. And I go, you know, <laughs> John Syracuse, you're you're a fair weather friend, buddy. Mm-hmm. Boy, does it ever get in your head. No, I know how you like that Call Me Maybe song. There's a lot of good mashups involving the Call Me Maybe song. I got to check that out. I do like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I've discovered mashups. I think that brings me straight up to 2004. Well, I mean, you got to start somewhere, and you work your your work your way up. It's a start. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's how you doing, something. Dan? How's your how's your morning? Morning is pretty good. Little technical issues that. You know, the kids. No, yeah, right, right there. I like to call them a little, the little technical euphemism. issues. It's a euphemism. <laughs> my little radars. No, my little one has started as just as my uh, son, seven and a half, as he sort of calmed down with the physical violence. My three and a half year old is ramping right up. Oh no! So and and he's he's nice enough to not retaliate anymore. So he just kind of like tries to endure it he tries to not hit back so i'm proud of him for that but he's like she won't stop hitting me and he doesn't want to hit her because he's like you know three times the size of her right he's kind of like a little tank right he's a tank and she's especially elvish so it's you know he could hurt her easily so he knows not to uh should be played by a very tiny lee pace in the movie (laughs) yeah hello Um, yeah, 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 man. yeah, and mine, uh, mine stepped on the scale yesterday, 63.8 pounds, but she's for, to her credit, she's quite tall and, and thin just, um, I don't right? know. I don't know. Yeah, she's pretty tall and I guess she's, she's kid shaped, you know, but <laughs> yeah, but like she actually has a friend who's taller than her now. Cause she's old for first grade. She's a non-traditional first grader. Uh-huh. <laughs> you, um, she's what we call a red shirt. That's right. Uh, she's, she stayed out for a season. <laughs> <laughs> you sat her out. Sat her out. Uh, she's uh, she's doing endorsement deals, but Penn State gets all the money. I don't understand. It. I'm not a not a not a businessician. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally literally there. It's a good song. It's an incredible song, and it like it just hangs over my head constantly. And you know, uh, I try to practice a certain kind of backyard uh, mindfulness. And I'll just periodically go, oh, I'm singing that song in my head again. And I'm saying, A-O, let's go or whatever. Do you do it outside a lot or is this just private? You mean like in my head versus outside? Yeah, right, right, right. Outside. always in my head. And then occasionally I just have to throw my hands up in the air sometimes. (laughs) I I was not aware of that song. I don't know music. But uh, then I uh, heard that mashup and now I was just listening to it. Uh, I put it in the show notes. Uh, Dan, where can people find show notes for this instructive uh, episode of uh, your Back to Work program? They can go to 5by5.tv slash B as in brothers, 2 is in the number, W is in women slash 218, I believe. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just checking, but yeah. No, that's right. That's right. I, uh, I put a couple, uh, I put a couple of links in. Um, I put in the, uh, that mashup, uh, Dan, when you say mashup, you're talking mainly it's, uh, it's an audio, it's an audio thing, right? Audio mashup. Audio mashup. Yes. Audio mashup. I think, uh, I think it started out. I mean, it's it's a genre. I looked it up on Wikipedia, which is never wrong. And it's, you know, it technically, technically, here comes my new character, Professor Actually. Actually. Uh, it's been around uh, in one form or another, yes, maybe the 60s. Usually thing, as in all, all, all of our great uh, culture, uh, it started out as something DJs would do on the radio as a jokey thing. Right. And, and I guess somebody at some point discovered, mind if I explain mashups no, to millennials? I mean, yes. Uh, at some point, somebody realized that certain songs... Like, you know, it's, it's eh, kind of like beat mixing where you, it's like, and probably sometimes you can lay one song right on top of another song. And in this, it's the, the weirdest thing will happen because pop music's not super complicated, but it is, you know, if, if they're the same tempo, usually the same or a complementary key and you have similar length sections, like eight bars, 16 bars. There are like, there are so many songs you can put on top of each other and they really actually work together. And they can sometimes be really, uh, actually amazing and transformative. The, uh, and I was telling John, like, I, uh, I mostly know girl talk. I know girl talk oh, and I know wow. DJ Earworm and that's about it. But like, I love girl talk. That, that stuff is, that's, that's the music science. That stuff's amazing. Well, do, what do you have I, any uh, girl talk? What I like about girl talk is, it's a he, right? We could. It's a. It's a human. It's like one person. He's mostly shirtless in photos, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think he's. Seems I think male. he's male gendered. Yeah, uh, but I mean, I say that in the sense of he's a he's a solo artist band that is a, a one person show. Yeah, it's like him and his power book. Right. Uh, what I like is he goes and gets songs from our time. Oh yeah, you know that's what I connect with the most from from girl talk is that it's songs that you'll listen to and, and, and they're all songs that you like, but that you don't necessarily remember from way back that you're like, I'm trying to imagine John Syracuse listening to any of this. You totally, but I can't imagine John getting into this. John Syracuse is an onion and you'll never get to the middle. Yeah. You just find more layers and do it wrong. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. And so like there's, there's, it's funny for me, like my kid picks up a lot of pop music from things like, you know, going to camp, like day camp kind of things where oh, they play yeah. lots of popular music. And and like, I don't know. I feel like my, my wife and my daughter have some secret life I don't know about because they both know about these pop songs I've never heard. And then I, I learn about them, you know, I'll hear them eventually. And my daughter's singing along. I'm like, well, how do you, how do you know about this? How do you know about raising your glass or whatever? Um, that, that's P, <laughs> that's P exclamation point ink. Right. Uh, but, but in this case, I totally agree with you. The way that Girl Talk will take like whatever, uh, something like Fleetwood Mac, or maybe like the who, but like take these crazy things and then lay it over ice cream paint job or whatever. And you're like, what is happening? And like, uh, anyway, well, I, not to, uh, you know, toot. I don't know if, if is this a appropriate to my own horn to my son's horn. Is that allowed? Mm, uh, I think you're <laughs> child services showing up for that. <laughs> but, uh, we, he does a show now and on toward the end of each show, I do a music pop quiz with him and it's it is uncanny how he can recognize a song usually the name of the song and frequently the artist usually from a, a half a second of or even just a single one maybe two notes like name that tune back you know before our time even 
Yeah. I can play him one tone or one note from the song. He'll usually get both the artist and the song. And it's uncanny. And I mean, obviously, everyone thinks their own kid is is a, a marvelous, perfect creature. But it it is pretty uncanny. And uh, so I, I'll put that in the show notes if, if yeah, you want me excellent. to. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was my point about that? I don't really have a point. But, uh, you know, uh, pop music is fun. I uh, I don't keep up with stuff like I used to, but I still periodically find things. I just thought that girl talk, especially feed the animals. I think I like them all, but that I've heard three of them. But that's the one I really really like and recommend. We'll listen to that uh, to that mashup. You and me, I won't be there when you hear it. All right, I will. We have uh, an unaccountably important piece of follow up. I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard a guess. Okay, that I, is this not <laughs> in the top five? <laughs> Yes. of people responding to us about something. I don't have to tell you what it is. You know what no, it is. No, I know what it is. Um, and I, I had I, no I, idea our listeners were so enthusiastic about this particular topic. I, I love it. There. It makes yeah. me very, very happy I'm and, and excited that our audience is when it's like certain things will resonate with the listeners, I really, I never know what it's going to be. You know, we, we, oh, we should do talk about anxiety and fear and that would be, and then, but like color guard and winter color guard, guard is, <laughs> is the big topic. Several weeks ago in a, uh, an ongoing series called Dan's Concern, uh, Dan talked about <laughs> his neighbors and how the children of his neighbors who are technically also his neighbors throw, uh, throw swords and guns yes. outside outside their home and catch them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we were both a little bit perplexed. I was thinking maybe it might be some kind of a militia thing, mm-hmm. you know, because you are in the hill country. And, <laughs> I know I am. You are amongst the hill people. And so who knows, right? I'm not here to judge, except in as much as I'm here to judge. But, uh, but, 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 but there was a surfeit of response from people, people coming out of the woodwork, people who have never contacted us before, first-time callers to let us know that, given that it is Texas and the Hill Country, it is almost certainly people who are practicing to be in something called Color Guard. Yes. And Color Guard, I think, is the, uh, Color Guard, I think, in the, like, in the military, is, it's the guys with, it's like the, like, in, when I was in military school, you'd call it, like, the company guide on. The guy whose job it was, and it was a guy, whose job it was to, like, hold the flag. And that was, like, a really um, exciting, like, ceremonial position. But it's, according to Wikipedia, it's technically the people who are in charge of protecting the flag and bringing it out. Right. But I think that also goes for football. So, I don't know if they steal the flag in football. I think that might be... Uh, Caps, capture the flag. Is Caps, ca- capture, TF, capture the TFC. sports ball. TFC, that's right. It's, like, it's a lot like Quidditch meets Whackbat. Plus helmets, yeah. Mm. So that's color guard. Now, aren't you? Isn't that nice of people to let us know? It. A lot of people wrote in to let us know that it's a color guard part of the marching band. It's also uh, there were other people who were saying originally you had theorized maybe it's an ROTC thing, and this may actually buttress that in a way. But it, it mm. definitely seems like it is most certainly a a color guard kind of thing. But I think the next time. That I see them out there, I'm just gonna go out there and be like, "Hey, you know, what is this thing you're doing, flipping, flipping stuff around?" But I'm I'm pretty satisfied in that I'll, that he'll agree with what our listeners wrote in to say. It'd be funnier if you just went out and started like throwing a garden implement, like if you just took a hoe or a yeah, rake and yeah. went, "Look at me, I'm, I can spin things in my yard. I'm young." Now the the girl has been out there also with a baton, 
But that seemed very obvious to me that if she's out there with a, a baton, of course we know what a, a girl with a baton would be doing with it. But excuse me, with the with the I, uh, I would, with I would the call, gun, I would call that more of drill team. Now, drill team when I was in the military school, as you know, was boys with guns. Mm-hmm. But I think drill team is, is the girls with with the tiny pants and they spin the batons. Mm-hmm. The girls who didn't get on cheerleaders, I didn't say that. Um, but you, um, the color drill guard. team, c- color guard. I think and drill team are probably related. Let me just say, if we got any of this wrong, that, let's just have that be okay. Uh, I think you don't got, need any more emails about it now. You, know, you should email us about anything <laughs> that suits you. Dan, I did want to ask you one question based on email. Are you ready to put back to work on autopilot? Oh yeah. No, I feel like we should. <laughs> I feel like it's time to do it. It's who after does, 218 who, episodes. Who has discovered us? Who has, I mean, <laughs> the show is not that popular. How are all <laughs> marker? How are all these it's coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden <laughs> to contact us about whatever their dumb thing is. Yeah, it I was mean, so, and and it's so strange. What what a subject line! Ready to put back to work on autopilot. <laughs> At first, I thought it was yes. a, a a slightly negative email. You know, like oh, absolutely. What, that's that's my first thought. Like, oh yeah, I like. Why are you even bothering anymore? Yeah, you know, just put it on autopilot. Just put it on autopilot. What are you phoning it in for anyway? Just have some kind of Markov chain about <laughs> Hawkeye and Markdown, and just you know, you guys you can just be done. Just go collect your <laughs> filthy ad lucre. Yeah. <laughs> but but turns out turns out turns out uh, it's a it's a person offering their services uh, as a built a built to scale uh, artisanal um, podcast. Uh, mixer producer right, right. It's, it's i think it's a full stack solution isn't it did you get that sense that's what i got from it mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. but please you know send us more stuff you oh, think, oh you know we're ready we should get a different email address no that's it's nice when people reach out uh wow i really want to help that guy with his uh with his marketing though yeah <laughs> are you ready to really phone it in that's what it really seemed like. It's so weird. I think we just got one. How do, but how do you wind up on an email list? Someone has to put you on that, right? So maybe one of our listeners contributed our I email think to the a, email address, uh, is, is on the page, which is fine. I, I, I think it's nice that people can use their client of choice if they choose to. But, um, no, it's happened. It happens to everybody. It happened to me with 43 folders where it, like it got out there enough that, you know, you just start, you get on lists, you know? Gina Trapani went through this big time with Lifehacker where she, she eventually shared some of her, basically her kill file. <laughs> it changed the way I use Gmail when I could finally filter out all of the PR people who were just checking in to see if you got the last email. That's weird. It's a tough racket, you know? Um, it's, I, I, gosh, I certainly don't want to, it's, I, I'll, I'll put it this way. Okay. It, it, it's, a, yeah, it, it's a shame that the people that we notice in PR are the are the losers because there are some great people doing it. I mean, you know, Jean Grey McDonald, like she was a delight to work with. And she worked, uh, if I may say, forget forget my French, worked very organically. She worked for a place that made a great product and then encouraged people to talk about how much they loved it. And we did, because we do, and she was great at that. That's that's really different from someone going, Hello. Yeah, so different. I never I never miss your program on internet. <laughs> you I know you like to talk about business. Perhaps you'd like to have me on. I'm an author. I'm a Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> when is good time to schedule for me? Right. It's a pre. It's presupposed that once <laughs> you're here, you of guest. course we want to have you as of a guest. Of course I want to talk to the CEO tomorrow at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Why would I'm not, I'm not an animal? <laughs> my God, I get a special audience with the CEO of your theoretical startup. Oh my God. 
Can, can I just have a minute to let my family know? Oh my God, this is incredible. Thank you. Uh, uh, the it's other disruptive. thing always strikes It's disruptive. Me. Oh my God. Why, why didn't you mention this earlier that it was disruptive? Thank you. <laughs> I love that the way that they pose it and then the emails have the same sort of visual appeal to them as like an, uh, an office newsletter from the mid 90s. <laughs> Right, right, right. They right. have, you know, it's uh, the first line will be centered, all all caps, you know, Helvetica or Arial, telling, you know, news and now, you know, and it's the terrible phrases that they'll use, you know, our CEO available to you for one hour only, you know, weird stuff like that. Like they're yeah, selling I, this, the CTO. Well, and here's, what, here's what's funny about that in particular is that, I mean, I... I feel like I know a lot of people who do, especially people like uh, over the years. I feel like I've known a lot of people in the in the Mac software community who uh, are a very small house. You know, I think of places like whatever, like like Smile, like Rogue Amoeba, like at one time Panic. Panic got pretty big, but in any case, all of those places, everybody was doing lots of different stuff. Agile bits, you know, uh, Omni Group, you name it. Lots of people do lots of different stuff, and somebody uh, invariably. Uh, part of their duty is to do some of the PR stuff. Lots of people participate in that. Um, and a lot of them do a terrific job with it. It certainly helps to have a great product. But I've talked on numerous occasions about how frustrated I get about going to a restaurant, in particular like a sandwich place. Mm-hmm. And the thing that they present you wrapped in paper is, is really more like a description of a sandwich like that was received like maybe from an old fax. It's like nobody has, this person has never eaten a sandwich. This yes, this technically meets the requirements of what canonically you could call an according to Hoyle sandwich, but it's so junky and gross, and not anything that a person would actually want to eat. And they think they're doing a great job because they're pushing out lots of those sandwiches. So in this instance, like I really feel like there's a certain tone deafness to people who are marketing in the way that seems sensible to them, rather than trying to craft something that is is useful to somebody else. Like, you know, here's a great one. You want a great one? Oh God, please don't do this. But send, you know, send me an NFR code to try your app. Yeah. That's a really great thing to do. And then don't bug me if I haven't written you back. You know, I I, I don't want to sound mean because I understand this is what you have to do for, for your job. But I have other stuff I have to do for my job. And if I spent all my time trying to track down whether there was any credibility to some rando suddenly just emailing me out of nowhere and expecting several hours of my time, I would get even less than I already get accomplished, which is already next to nothing. Wow. It doesn't, it doesn't scale up, Dan. It doesn't no, scale up. No. Make a better sandwich. Well, you know, you, you mentioned, you mentioned Gene Gray McDonald. Yeah. And you mentioned Smile, and they're actually our first sponsor. Should I tell them about that now? You get out. That get is. Get out. It's true. Tell me about it. They are a wonderful uh, company. Now, Sadly, she's an, she's an emeritus now. She, yes, an emeritus. Uh, Emerita. Oh, does it change genders? Yeah, my alumni association at my squirrely college was called the New College Alumni slash I uh, <laughs> group. See, even if I had gone to New College, I think I would have just missed you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's based very much in the classics. I mean, they don't take a dump without making a ligature. <laughs> what a great company, Dan. <laughs> Smile. So they make a, a wonderful product called PDF Pen Scan Plus, which is uh, scanning and OCR in a beautifully designed app that is always with you. It runs on your iPhone or your iPad. Not, I don't think that it can run on the watch because the watch doesn't have the ability to, to <laughs> photograph stuff. Does it run on the watch? Uh, I'll, let me check mine. Okay. Hmm. I'm force touching. Um, I don't know. It looks like it might work, but it's going to take a few minutes. Did you know that Mm -hmm. if you're hiding features uh, by using the force touch on the watch, that this is the same 
thing as just completely hiding them all together. That's, that's literally a recipe for losing the functional high ground. I totally agree. So what you do is you take your iPhone or your iPad camera at a document, or it could be a receipt, a business card, use your imagination, and PDF Pen Scan Plus will take the scan, it will crop it, it will prepare to edit all without a tap. That's the thing that always freaks me out whenever I use this app. Like you don't have to, you just point it, it understands. I have been shown a document, boom, it's in there. OCR, text recognition, create a searchable, shareable PDF on your phone or your iPad automatically uploaded to iCloud. You don't like iCloud? Use Dropbox. Works. It's fine. The best scanner is the one that's with you, right? So get PDF Pen Scan Plus from the App Store today. PDF Pen Scan Plus 2.0 just dropped March 18th, 2015. It's a free upgrade. And in this is the touch-free scanning I told you about, detecting all the little page edges automatically when the camera focuses, automatically does all this stuff and has in-camera settings for color, grayscale, black and white, so it knows like what it is that you're going to be scanning. Really, really awesome stuff. And now the App Store allows these bundles. So they made this a PDF business oh, so kit smart. bundle. So smart. Yeah, it's really awesome. It has PDF Pen for iPad and iPhone uh, for, for $21.99. Alone, PDF Pen Scan Plus is $6.99. PDF Pen for iPad is $19.99. So go grab the bundle if, if you like both of those things. And they made a special URL where people can go to learn more just for the show. It's smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Or just search for PDF Pen Scan in the app store uh, and you'll you'll find it there. Go check them out. Smile when you do bok, bok. it. <laughs> I, have a, I have an anecdote. <clears throat> For, it was torn, literally torn from the headlines. Okay. Um, last week, I got a text uh, from my uh, lady friend. and the uh, special lady? <laughs> it's still funny. It's still good. It's still good. She, um, she texted me and she's like, she's having trouble printing. Um, and of course I can guess why she's having trouble printing because my daughter is into paper craft, which means that she it's has like gone Minecraft, through, right? I, I, it's the same I thing. For, I played it for the first time yesterday. Oh, did you <laughs> like it? Put a pin in that. Okay. Uh, no, we have to circle back to this. Uh, we uh, have to circle back okay. to that. Okay. Um, mm. uh, and so uh, I was like, oh, well, geez, well, you know, uh, let me run home. I think I know what the problem is, which is that my, my beloved daughter, uh, yeah, she has cool hobbies and she's very into paper craft. I, I, I don't know how much I've talked about this here, but it's really cool. Like she knows how to now go to Google, do a Google search, type in the things that she's looking for, have the results show up, click on it. She even knows like search by size. You can go find the larger size of it. She knows how to fix the you know portrait to landscape <laughs> to print it out. It's, it's it's amazing to watch. And when the printer ink runs out, she changes it herself. So wow. that feels good. But uh, but what that means is for the first time in the lifetime of this Epson printer we've had, and we have one of those you know relatively inexpensive all in ones. Uh, first time in like probably two years we've owned that. We went through an entire <laughs> an entire box of ink in one month. That usually lasts me a year. But she prints out so much stuff. She'll just print out, a, I don't know if your kids do this, but she'll just print out a page of just pure red. It's like, honey, that's like $7 worth of ink. But I figured, oh, that's why she can't print. Why am I telling you this? So I, I run home. I'm, I'm going to shake the printer, see if I can make it work. No, it's officially well and truly out of ink. We don't have ink. I go to the Walgreens. They don't have ink. She still, she needs to print this. She needs to print this out. And so I can't make it work. And then uh, I get a little bit Merlin Man on the problem. And I go, ooh, if I could ask, um, what is it you need to do? She's like, oh, I need to print out this letter and sign it. 
<laughs> and I was like, hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. I will order Amazon printer ink tonight, but did you know that you can do that like right here, like on the iPad? <laughs> so we use PDF pen, the part of that bundle. I mean, we actually literally used it last week and I didn't even have to buy ink. That was a really long story, but that's the kind of thing that you can do. It's there, it's with you, it's the scanner you have, it's the signature you want. Wow. You just got to run with that. They're gonna, I mean, it's their, <sighs> their burden. Minecraft. Yeah, can we talk about that now? Let me see what else we got here. Uh, fear and loathing. Fear and loathing, anxiety and fear in uh, Merlin Vegas. Um, oh, let me mention one thing, if I may. Um, uh, over on the Incomparable uh, Network, uh, I was uh, I guested on a uh, podcast with Dan Morin and uh, uh, Philip Mose 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 and Mose uh, and we uh, and we uh, we <laughs> did we covered the episodes uh, four through six of Daredevil, and um, I really like how it turned out. I generally don't mind how I sound on podcasts. That would be problematic if I did. I hate how I sound on on incomparable podcasts, but all three of us said good, smart things. And if you enjoy Daredevil and you're at least have viewed it up to episode six, please go over and check it out. It's in the show notes. It's really, it's really fun. And we end up, you know, talking about like what it is that we think makes this show special. And when you say you don't like how you sound, do you mean the tone of your voice or the comments that you make or the way, what don't you like? Yes. Yes. All of that? Well, no. I mean, if you're really curious, uh, I, I feel like um, on some kinds of shows I can hold my own. But it's funny, like there's a certain kind of chemistry you either have or don't have, or a certain kind of chemistry that you can bring or not bring. And it's weird because I enjoy the incomparable shows like so much that I actually have a, like a fair amount of like stage fright being on them. And I, I'm never happy with how I performed on there because I don't feel like I have the chemistry. But in a small group, you know, just three people talking about Daredevil, it was okay. But, you know, it's funny. I mean, like, yeah, that's fine for Merlin, right? But like, I, I'm very intimidated by a lot of the people that I admire. I mean, to actually do stuff with them. Oh, totally. You know, it's really weird. But uh, we talked about daredevil so that's there and uh you know what i I got thinking about i mean that isn't interesting but i got thinking about like i'm very intrigued by this idea of like what it means to have a a show that's like almost built to binge watch like it really feels like what i said and i can't really back up but i i feels like it feels like the most significant change in the way we make tv probably since cable or you know especially since the pay cable quality revolution of the late 90s it's very interesting, though, like the, to see a show where it really does almost kind of benefit from watching it in a binge. Where you can sit down and watch show after show, three, four, five episodes, or even all of them over a weekend or something. Yeah. Where it, Why well, does yeah. it benefit from that? I can't quite put my finger on it, but I was, I was talking about it in the context of saying, like, I really, first of all, let me just say, I still love, love, love the Daredevil show, and I think it's great. It is extremely gory. Please, you know, if you don't like violence, it's not for you skip it. But I, I think it's just, as you'll hear on that show, I think it's very, very well done. But I was also noticing that like just watching four, five, and six, I didn't like it nearly as much as the first time. And I noticed more of the world building. And it didn't feel clunky exactly, but I didn't it didn't feel like the joyride of watching it the first time. And so it's I don't mean as a criticism. It was more like me noticing like I, you know, I right now we're still seeing shows that are closer to a traditional half hour or hour long show. It's just that they all get dropped at once. They still have beginning and end credits, but I guess I'm just starting to wonder, I'm really curious 
what the next innovation in that will be. Because mm-hmm. you're essentially making a long movie. You're making, or you can really think of it as a novel. Kimmy Schmidt it is a lot like a novel in a lot of ways. It just has, it has chapters. You do need to watch the whole thing in order, but you know, it isn't like episodic TV or uh, serialized TV where you can just say, oh, well, watch this episode. You, you'll really enjoy it. You All do right. have to watch it from the beginning. You do have to watch it to the end. And I think there's a certain confidence to the showrunners in building it that way because they know they can count on people if they are going to watch it and keep, keep with it, they'll probably watch all of them. So I'm just curious about how that'll change creatively. Yeah, well, maybe- I wonder if the creative process changes between a show, like, for example, two, two, three shows that I watched uh, and sort of bit for that I binge watched, which only one of them had that sort of modern, we're making these all at once and releasing them all at once. So that show, of course, was House of Cards, mm-hmm. where I watched, I think it was the first two seasons is when I kind of, I got into it after the second season, but I also kind of binge watched Breaking Bad and Mad Men and Lost, the first two seasons of Lost. Those three shows were not intended to be, not, I mean, I won't say they they didn't consider the possibility that you might watch them that way, but they were released one every week for a season. And House of Cards is released, of course, all at once, the whole season, boom, here it is. We know you're going to watch it all at once. Maybe you'll space it out. Do you think that they're, that that's different, that they have a different philosophy behind the scenes as far as when they're making it, they know House of Cards is going to drop all at once with Mad Men, Breaking Bad, whatever. They're saying this is a serial. This is weekly. And if you – I remember when I was – I was really into Lost once I got caught up in that second season – Man, I was super, super into it. And, like and look, looking forward to it, thinking about it, talking about it. All week long, I'd be like, yeah. what's going to happen? What did this mean? What would happen to Locke? You know, like every week, the whole week going by. Whereas watching uh, House of Cards, I might watch two, three episodes in, in, you know, two a night even wouldn't be unusual. And it, it felt more like there was momentum building and continuity, and it almost felt like the creative process – tell me if I'm going on too long about this – but it felt like the creative process changed in such a way that they knew you were going to do that so they could take a different pace with the episode. They could it, – it, it, I believe it affected the pacing and the, the buildup and things like that of a show that things didn't need to be quite so self-contained as they do even in an hour-long regular show where they – felt more like there's a beginning and an end even if there's a cliffhanger there's like right. a beginning and an end to an episode of breaking bad for example it tell the episode might tell a little story i'm not saying they would wrap stuff up because they definitely didn't wrap it up till the end but it felt like there was a little bit more of that notion of something being self-contained than in something like house of cards where you know that it's it's the self-contained is with episode one and then ending in episode i guess 12 or 13 mm-hmm I think that's actually a really good observation. And as with these kinds of things, you know, all we can really do, you know, failing a, you know, oral history retrospective with the team, you can mostly just speculate. But I think there are, you could look at certain factors in um, the industry and just the reality of how these industries work as to why that would be. You think about when we were kids um, and we did not have a VCR. um, And so, we had broadcast TV and, you know, sometimes had cable, but right. mostly we had broadcast TV. And if you think about broadcast TV, broadcast TV, you know, you got to have whatever, 22 episodes, however many, and they, they come out each week mostly. 
And, you know, even the one thing where it's still true to this day, if you're doing a broadcast TV show, you need to really, I mean, you need to really hit it with that first episode. But then you also need to make it so that people can get back in. Because in 1978, there was not a way to say, like, whatever happened to Chuck Cunningham. Like, you were just going to have to wait till maybe those happy days would show up again. But each show had to have a certain amount of independence as a program that you could watch. Mm -hmm. And they had to, I mean, you know, and again, it's going to go into reruns. You might get to watch it again. But I think it it would be extremely ambitious any time before really the 90s to make a a broadcast show that did that because it's kind of built to fail in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then then in the 90s, you've got, you know, the confluence really about the same time in my recollection, say, let's say 97, 98, 99, two important things happen. Suddenly I'm a futurist. Um, You got the, uh, the rise of the DVD and you've got the arrival of things like The Sopranos. And so Sopranos, something on HBO, now you have multiple chances to see a given episode. And then with DVDs and stuff coming out, TV shows coming out that way, yeah. there may be a show that you never watched before that you can now watch at your leisure. And then that was the pattern for a long time. But Well, how do you think that that is going to come into like the podcast world, for example? Because I, a lot of people have asked me the question of, well, should I hold back episodes and release them all at once? Like if they're not you know, like a news show that loses its loses its value a few days or a couple of weeks later. But if it's an interview show or something like that, and people are actually starting to think of podcasts like in terms of seasons as well. And like, hey, mm-hmm. here's 12 episodes and go for it. You know, like go listen. You want to listen to one a day, one a week, one an hour, go for it. Here they are. I I think that's an interesting concept as well. You know, what made Serial great, I think for a lot of people was that they were waiting you know, for the next one uh, to to listen to it, whether they were pacing it out themselves or whether they were just waiting, waiting. I don't know. I think that's something that's fascinating, too. We don't you know, we have this concept of immediacy now. And I think when people start doing that, there will be a different expectation. Other people will want it to happen that way, too. Like we've talked about Radiolab before. Man, I'd love it if I just had the whole season of, of Radiolab. But there are production things that might get in the way of that, mm-hmm. but they manage they manage to do it with TV. You know, whenever we hear about a movie that's coming out, oh, it'll be out in 2017. You know, well, when's the Star Wars? Oh, December. Well, we got to wait for December. Well, in some cases, I know they hold it back to launch it at just the right time. But a movie takes a long time to make. They've got to film it. They got to do effects and all the other mumbo jumbo that happens behind the scenes to get the thing out. But then there's that whole concept with a podcast of should it be weekly? Should it be held back? Like, I don't know. Is is this phenomenon changing the way that we are going to consume all things? I think it could. Um, as I think about the next things that I'd like to do, I'm trying to take those things into consideration, trying to update my idea of what a podcast is or can be, especially in light of changes to things like advertising networks and platforms and, you know, podcast um Networks. There's just all these changes that are happening so quickly. But I think for the traditional, not the traditional maybe, but whatever you want to think of as the second or third wave um, podcast where it's free to download using RSS and mainly either no ads or ad sponsored, 
But you know, basically, as soon as it comes out, you can get it however you want and listen where you want. I think for that particular model, uh, for now, I think putting out something every week is a pretty good idea. If it's something that's super timely, I wouldn't sit on it for too long. If you've got a show, a show where you can stack them up a little bit mm-hmm. and you're not going to diminish the value, like on the incomparable, like if they're doing a, a podcast on last night's House of uh, uh, Game of Thrones, like you need to get that out quickly. Otherwise, it loses a lot of its value after a week. Yeah. It's like a newspaper in that sense. So those you couldn't hold back. But if you're doing like an interview show, like a, you know, um, like an Alec Baldwin kind of show, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, that's probably an unusual example. But those kinds of shows, I imagine, get stacked up. Something like Jeff Garland or anybody who's doing like a celebrity show where they're probably recording a bunch of them and then doling them out. It's not directly tied to the release of a DVD or something like that. It's, it can just go come out when it comes out. Yeah, but, but that but, you know that's funny. I remember hearing that. I forget what it was. I think I think it was actually like a Doctor Phil where I was uh, I was <laughs> watching like an interview or something with him or about production, and he's like, "Oh, you know," and and this blew my mind because I didn't know it at the time. But they actually will go in and like he'll do many many times multiple shows in a day or many 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 shows for you know a, a couple weeks or months at a time. And then they they hold them back and release them, you know, one a day or one, whatever. Yeah. I had always thought he was like in there every day doing it, but that's not how it's done. It's done, you know, they'll do multiple episodes in a single day and then start editing them and holding them back and releasing them as a season. And then reruns will show up. Whereas I I was always thinking that it was more like late night TV like, with or like recorded earlier that day. Yeah, recorded earlier the day, the way Letterman is, you know, like he's doing that every night. But I guess a show like that, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be. It can be recorded anytime. And I don't know. I, I always, uh, I, I was just, that was a surprise to me. And I, I'm always fascinated to hear about how things like that work yeah, because I totally that agree. content never felt stale per se. Well, like, uh, Garrison Keillor, uh, does a, um, a, I think a really cool show called Writer's Almanac. And it runs locally here on KLW. They do the news at the, uh, they do the intro to a show at the top of the hour. And then from like one minute after the hour to five minutes after the hour, he does this thing called Writer's Almanac where he has, he talks about this day in history, like literary, literarily. He reads a poem. Um, and it's, it's just a really cool little show. But I remember listening, I would always hear that and I, I always enjoyed it and thought, I would always think, uh, wow, that's really interesting. I mean, like it never occurred to me how that show would be done, but it seemed like he made it probably the night before mm-hmm. and they put it up. Yeah. But think, but think about it. All it has to be is attached to a certain, uh, day he could record. I mean, he could theoretically record a year's worth. He's probably recording like a month's worth at a time, but it makes a lot more sense with a busy schedule like his to sit down and do a whole bunch at a stretch. Cause all, all it's really just date specific. It's not event specific. It's always going to be John Updike's birthday on this given day. Right. But no, I think that makes sense. So I don't know. And I don't have an answer for this. I just think it's an interesting question is, you know, as we look at how these things emerge, the, the Netflix thing is, is obviously the idea of dropping a whole season at once is still kind of a crazy thing. I honestly think the thing that's going to push what happens next is going to have more to do with the increasing how do I put this? The increasing um, creep of platform lockup, combined with the way that advertisers um, or you know sponsors want to want to deal with the show. Mm. So I mean, like it kind of makes sense to say, hey, here's a podcast that has six episodes and it's a season, and then you can buy it for this amount of money. Um, there's that. That's something that would have seemed really crazy to me a few years ago. Where now I go, that's actually not such a terrible idea. Like it's going to cost you know you can download it for some fairly low fee. 
with or without advertising. And then, you know, eventually we'll make it free. You know, sort of like it, like a, a Marvel movie eventually going to Netflix or something. Right, 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 right. But I think it's, it's you realize, I mean, let alone how, how relatively recent the internet is, you really have to realize how new podcasting still is. And I mean, I need go no further than my kid's school where I have to try and explain what I do without sounding like a douche or, or an alien. <laughs> right. Um, and it's, I think there's still a lot of people that... <laughs> A douche or an alien? <laughs> no, I mean, like it's weird. I understand your confusion with this issue. It's no, it's <laughs> it. It is a really weird thing to describe it and to talk about it, in in a way that will make sense to other people. I think we've mentioned this before, but it really is. You know, like saying you're a software developer. No one and no, oh, cool. What do you you know? Maybe maybe you get the question of. Mac or PC or maybe iOS or Android, you know, like, like people will understand what that means. They understand that like you're in front of a computer, the room is dark, you know, you're typing and typing and typing. They get that, but it's hard to explain. Like if I said, oh, I'm in, I'm in broadcast radio. Oh, they'd know exactly what that is. What do you do? Oh, I have, you know, I do a, a, a news show or a, a show about this or whatever. They would get it because they know what the radio is. They know what the TV is. Right. But podcasting is kind of this strange in between it's it has this pirate radio feeling but it also doesn't feel legitimate in a way to a lot of people even though in many cases more people listen to a podcast than they listen to local radio that's very normal for a big podcast you know there are more big podcasts than there are big talk show hosts in local markets you know and those those numbers don't make sense to people and then it's funny i'll always i'm always surprised when because I still have this notion in my mind that like a podcast listener is like probably a dude. He's probably working in development or design. Uh, he's probably between the age of 25 and 45. He's got to commute to work and he wants to listen to something interesting on the it way. It really feels like that's what it was for a long time. Yeah. But now like I've went over uh, my, we have a, the next door neighbors, the one where the, the white trailer was in front of for a while. I had uh, gone over there to say hi to them uh, not too long ago. And her sister was there and they were asking, Oh, what do you do for a living? And I told them and the, the, one uh, neighbor, she said, oh, you know, she, I, I don't really use, you know, the computer that much, like for that kind of stuff. And her sister, who is, I'm going to guess she's mid-50s, total like Austin hippie style lady. She's like, oh, I love podcasts. I'm subscribed to like 20 different podcasts right now. What's yours on? And I told her, she says, oh, that's right up my alley. You would never guess, you know, right. and it's, it's such a pleasant surprise to find out that people like, and, and really... The reason why is the smartphone, especially the iPhone. It's like the gateway, like having an iPhone is like a gateway drug to all of this new media. It's so, it makes it so easy. People talk about the barriers of, uh, of podcasts. It's, they're really fewer and fewer every single day. There are fewer technical barriers. Um, uh, for sure. I mean, gosh, I mean, ever you know, you don't have to sync up through iTunes anymore. That yeah, was the big, that, that was, was one of the huge. first big changes. But I mean, there's still a lot of barriers like there, like with any kind of independent media, you need a Sherpa or a rabbi. You, oh, you, right. you really need somebody to talk about it enough to be interested and maybe even walk you through, you know, getting started. Even if that's just to say getting started with like, like, I, okay, I cannot listen to 200 episodes of this thing just to feel caught up. 
although some people will, um, that they'll want to like have a good place to jump in, you know. And I'm 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 that way with TV shows. Like I I fell out with watching Agents of Shield. I heard it got good again, and I'm always kind of polling people like where where can I jump back in without having to do you know homework. Yeah, right. But, you know, the one last thing I want to hear about something you like, but you know, something I, I kind of maybe related. I think that uh, it, it's kind of a consequence of knowledge work in general as having like a. And I don't want to be too strict in the distinction here, but kind of a knowledge work job versus like a Richard Scarry kind of job. Like you know, you can you can see that the the woman with the hat and the pitchfork and the overdolls, like you understand that that's a farmer and probably not a pharmacist, maybe <laughs> right? But but I think there's a there's a weird invisible conceit we all have where we we don't actually understand that much about what most other people do. Full stop. I mean, we understand we we understand some we. We can often misunderstand something in a way that's easy to understand, <laughs> but it's not the same thing as, <laughs> as understanding. You go like, oh, you do stuff with the computers, you're a computer programmer. And that's all you need to know. I mean, knowing that there could be a giant difference between somebody who's, you know, doing some kind of C programming uh, versus somebody who's doing JavaScript and a little bit of web design. I mean, that's kind of what that person, you know, those kind of fit the same thing, but it doesn't really matter to the conversation. You just need to know generally. It's just that, you know, I, I, I feel this all the time where you're, even when I really learn what somebody does, I'm still really like, yeah, but what do you like really do? Like, what do you actually do during the day? That, that's always the black box part that's so interesting to me and, and the way that those jobs are always changing. Sorry, I didn't mean to make this about work. No, I, no, I mean, we don't want to... Would you um, share with our listeners and me um, the notion of something that you like? I would like to tell you about Wealthfront. Wealthfront is an automated investment service. And, you know, I uh, admit that I did not start really looking at doing any kind of investment until way, 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 way later than I probably should have. You know, even just the idea of like putting money into a bank account seemed like a huge thing for me. Like that was, that was enough, I thought. But then, you know, you start working and they're like, oh, do you have a 401k? Well, I don't know. I know what the, oh, do you have IRAs? How are they invested? What are you doing with your investments, investments? And I was like, that's for old people, right? But it's not like the value of starting investing, even if it's a tiny little bit of money, like start as soon as you possibly can because of things like compound interest and these, it's it just, you're planning for your, for the future that you don't realize you're eventually going to have. Uh, and they make it, Wealthfront makes it so easy to do this. Well, there's this idea that in order to start out investing, you could go and sit down at a desk with some old timer in a tie who's like, you know, well, let's talk. No, Wealthfront makes it so easy. You go there and they felt you fill out a little profile that helps you decide, you know, do you want to be aggressive? I'm young. I'm aggressive. I can invest in this or I'm a little more conservative. Slow down. Slow down. Either way, you felt this little profile and they will follow that. And that's how they will work on your investments and they make sure each trade that they make is is tax efficient. They maximize your after-tax returns, which is important. And they let you view all of your accounts in one place. And they every trade is commission-free, which is important. And they make only 0.25% per year. That's like a quarter the cost of a traditional investment advisor. You don't have to worry about trading commissions. There's like not hidden costs. It's a really, really cool service that I wish I'd known about a long time ago if they had existed. But now I know about it and now you know about it too. Five by five listeners will get their first $10,000 managed for free when they visit wealthfront.com slash five by five wealthfront.com slash five by five. And uh, they're a sponsor of my daily show, Merlin, the Dan Benjamin mm-hmm. Hour. And I was having, I have to, by law, I have to read this disclaimer. 
So what I did uh, is I recorded the disclaimer. <laughs> and then I went in and I, I, I speed it up when I have to read it. So I, I went into the, to the logic and I sped up the disclaimer, but I pitch shifted it so it stayed the same shift. There's some, a built-in feature called var- speed or something. So now I can just play the disclaimer. Would you like to hear the sped up disclaimer? I'd love that. Okay, here, here it is. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read the full disclosure. Done. <laughs> Thanks very much to Wealthfront for supporting <laughs> my work with Merlin Mann. Bach, Bach. I, um, wow. Wow. You like that? Do you, do you think it still counts when you do it do that you way? You can hear it. Huh. You can understand the words and hear it. Yeah. They haven't complained. It's been like that for two weeks on my, my morning show. And now all I can think of is all of those jackals who listen to this show at double, at double speed, speed. I know. What that's going to sound like. <laughs> that's going to sound like me. You're right. That sounds like, like you after coffee. <laughs> when you're your mm. real self. Mm, the monster emerges. The monster. The monster emerges. What was it? Explore the uh, explore the offer. <laughs> explore the it? offering. Is that it? Yeah, I think it was. Explore the offer. <laughs> Raise the portcullis. <laughs> we yeah. have decided to explore the offer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh God! I wish I had more coffee. Oh man! Today, Don't you have today, a little maker? Don't you have a little uh, orthopod no, or my, whatever? My, cock, my cocky pot. What? <laughs> Sorry, I'm penis. Everybody out of the pool. No, my, my cocky pot uh, just stopped working. I don't know. I, I think I plugged it in for too long. But um, but the the place, the, the coffee place, you know, I've, I've grown accustomed to the fact that even though they say they open at seven and are sometimes not open at nine, like whatever, that's okay. It's a, it's a lifestyle business. T- today, they didn't even have the closed sign plugged in. <laughs> the closed sign was off. Not even there. Yeah, they're super closed. So... Um, what was I gonna say? Yeah, so TV, that's a funny thing. Autopilot, Daredevil, Color Guard. Uh, how you doing? Oh, pretty good. Yeah. Anxious, yeah. fearful. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so did you have a, a rough idea what you wanted to bang around with that? You know, I was I, I was thinking a lot about when listening back to some of our older episodes, we've talked about something that you refer to as imposter syndrome, which is, I think the feeling, you sure that was me. I think it was you Hmm. or other people have emailed in to say that that's what we were talking about. Uh, Right. Yeah. Okay. that, That sounds true. Which is the feeling, I guess, of thinking, I, I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm going to be discovered as a fraud and laughed at uh, like Carrie and, you know, sent out uh, with a bucket of pig's blood over me and everyone will know that I don't know anything. <laughs> People are going to throw napkins at you and say, plug it up. Yeah. Is that mm-hmm. right? I mean, is that, is that the correct? Well, yeah. I mean, gist? I think that's, 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 you know, we're all living in a, in a different Stephen King novel for sure. <laughs> yeah. I haven't felt the imposter syndrome thing, I think as much as some of our listeners, but I think maybe more than some of our listeners, what I do feel a lot is just this, and this may just be the way that I'm wired. Uh, but this is what I was saying to you when we were chatting about it earlier is just that, that sort of feeling that, 
that every morning I kind of wake up and I kind of feel like I'm going to really screw something up. Mm-hmm. And it's not like I'm walking on eggshells, afraid of it happening in the way that you would, you know, the way that you're afraid that if you take, you know, you take your eyes off the road that you'll run off the side of the road. That's a very real, tangible fear where there is a direct cause and effect linked there. If I stop looking at the road or, you know, reach for something on the floor, there's a good chance I'll crash my car and and terrible things will happen. It's not quite that impending urgency of it but it's more like you know there's this there's this tv show that used to be on tv i forget what it was uh but there they would play they would show these horrible practical jokes from other countries that they would play and there's this one guy i just i don't know where this thing came from but there's this guy and it, it there's a video camera set up he it's a hidden camera he walks into his kitchen he's like a regular like a like a business dude i don't know who he was he's in another language he walks in and there is an actual tiger in, oh in his kitchen. And I think it was tied, but it wasn't obvious that it was tied. And he's freaked out, obviously, by this. And then there was this other one. It showed these people walking in. I think they were thinking they were going to a job interview or something. And they would get in an elevator and the elevator lights would kind of flicker. And they had set up the elevator in such a way they didn't actually, I don't think it was going up or down. It was like a fake elevator. And they would have a little girl who was sort of dressed in a way that she looked like a ghost. Oh, right. And and they would have her standing there and then the lights would flicker back on after being dark and she would have come in through a little trap door and she'd stand there staring. And the people... uh, would say things in Spanish like, oh, you know, oh my God, I can't believe this and, and be like terrified. And then the girl would scream at them and then the lights would flicker and she'd be gone mysteriously. That's horrifying. You know, all of these things that like, like I was thinking about that and how in, in day-to-day life, it's not quite that level of fear, but there is almost this sense sometimes that like I'm, you know, you you never know what the next thing is going to be. And I never felt that way when I had like a regular job. When I had just a regular job, I would I was afraid that the company was going to implode and I would lose my job. But like I felt like I was in a routine, you know, like I, I knew what to expect. I would go in, I would do this thing. And I always thought that when I ran my own business that I would be more secure and more comfortable in knowing what to expect because in in my mind, I would be somehow more in control of my own destiny because I was running, I'd be running my own business. I'd be able to do the things I want. But the opposite is true is that it's things are so much more based on, you know, we, we are by making this product as a podcast, I'm very hopeful that people will listen to it and and like it. And I would love for more people to listen to it. You know, I want it to grow and I, or at least continue to the way it has been. I want to make something that's great. I want to make something that I can be proud of. But even when you do all those things, you you can still somehow screw it up or you can, you can not, it cannot be good enough. So, you know, so I guess it comes back to that feeling of not being good enough, but just that general sort of fear of like, what am I going to screw? It's not like, will I screw something up? It's like, what will I screw up today? What will I do wrong? <laughs> what will I not get to do? And that's a very real thing for me. Yeah. I think it's not uncommon. I don't think you're alone in that by a long shot. Um, I, I, You know, yeah, it's, it's always an interesting topic to me. So yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. Uh, You know, I, I think it's always important, at least in my mind, my, for my personal glossary to talk about the difference between fear and anxiety. 
um, so heavily related. Um, and you can have, obviously you can take a step further and talk about fear, anxiety, worry, stress. And, you know, if you look at that as a Venn diagram, there's a lot of overflow that's very unpleasant. But there, there are distinctions. I would, in my own glossary, I'm just tossing this out for my own glossary. Um, fear is this idea that something fairly specific is going to happen to you that's going to be not just damaging. Mm-hmm. I think for fear to be really interesting, fear is not necessarily that you're going to end up in a Mexican TV show. <laughs> fear is the feeling that something that you can't control is going to happen that you won't be able to recover from. Okay, good. I, yes. I, to me, that's that's one way of looking at it. Is is that that's what that's what fear is, and we can have, uh, from my own experience, you can have compulsive fears that just keep coming up over and over, and things where you're constantly, you know, um, if I could use that term, worried. But you're you're ruminating on a condition that doesn't currently exist, but feels like it's it could happen any second. Is right. the, way I, the way I think think it's, about fear yeah. that 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 something's about to happen. Well, and fear could also then be if you do have a tiger in your kitchen, you're very fearful, and you have a reason to be fearful because if you were attacked by a tiger in your kitchen, there you might not recover from that. And I, I think there's that feeling of um, I don't know. I, I think part of uh, maybe this is part of a, a getting older kind of thing, but there's this feeling of um, integrity, like like bodily integrity, emotional integrity. Not just integrity in terms of like the stuff I talk about being a, a, a douchey CEO, but actual integrity as in it is kept whole, healthy, and sound. And I think the, the fears that I have are about loss of integrity. Mm. And like, like, am I going to get jumped by some kid in an alley who doesn't, you know, have any fear, hasn't grown up enough to have fear of anything? Like, what if, what if, like, what if something happens and I fall down and hit my head? We got that note from that guy who had the totally freak accident. Like he got a concussion during karaoke. Do you remember that? It's like he, his friend <laughs> yeah, accidentally right. poked him with his elbow and he got a concussion. Yeah. Freak accidents, like fear of the freak accident right. that will, and, and as soon as, in my experience, as soon as you start opening the door, you will invariably discover a very long hallway full of mini stories. Like once you allow you to open that door to going like, what could go wrong? Uh, if you, have, especially with a certain kind of personality, that can become really consuming. And so, just in terms of taxonomy, that's what I think of as fear. And I could be wrong, but that's what I think of. Anxiety is, I think, much more of a of a perhaps more generalized concern about the future and your lack of ability to know what's going to happen, and then a feeling of inability to know you won't feeling like you definitely won't be able to cope with it, whatever that is. I don't know if that's what everybody thinks. That's one way. If I were to really try and like abstract what anxiety is. Anxiety is like, ah, like I don't even know what I'm scared of, Mm -hmm. but it could happen. And I'm pretty sure just given how shaky I am right now that I wouldn't be able to deal with it. I think of that as anxiety. Worry, maybe a little bit more low level, but it's a nagging, a nagging feeling that there's something you should be doing about something and you're not sure what, what to do about it or not sure that you can do something about it. And it's that basic, like, in, like as with procrastination, it's that basic feeling of not knowing what you can or should do or whether it would make a difference. Like that's worrying. And then to me, stress is when you, and these are all, again, very heavily related, but to me, stress is where you're officially realizing that amongst your fears, anxieties, and worries, you officially have more stuff than you can handle, let alone handle well. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of time until something explodes. Stress, that is when you're, you know, 
what is it, the cortisol levels go up, you start feeling more and more, then that feeds into the anxiety. And then you get into this kind of weird mind-body thing where when, when these kinds of things happen, there is a huge link between your mind and your body. If you start to worry a little bit, you might start breathing a little more quickly without realizing it. You might start perspiring. You might start noticing a tenseness. And then in an unconscious way, your mind writ large kind of picks up that feedback loop and you go, oh, my shoulders are really tense. There must, I should be more scared. And then that, that becomes that, again, that feedback loop that becomes so difficult to get out of. So, you know, everybody feels weird and bad sometimes. It's just, it, it is in part, not to go to Buddha, but I think it's, it is partly a thing of saying, like, how do I feel about how I feel? Like, if I have a certain amount of anxiety because I'm going into a neighborhood that makes me nervous, or I have a certain amount of fear because, like, I have to go uh, talk to the police after this uh, fender bender, it's every, that's totally normal to feel all of those things. The part that is not abnormal, but that is more clinical to me is that feeling of not being able to shake it, having that be a constant companion, and then overall building a pathway where that's just how you think about stuff now. Where like your first consideration is how will this affect these bad feelings that I have? Will this make me more anxious? Will this make me more fearful? Will this make me more worried? Will this make me feel more stressed out? And if any, and eventually here's the, the, the sad uh, trick ending is that and you can get to a point where even the idea of anything will feed that and it becomes like virtually impossible to get out of. I mean, that, I don't know. That's, that's my, <laughs> that's my five minutes on it is that, you know, everybody has these down feelings or up feelings. It's a question of like how much executive function you have to either not let the feeling bother you, right. to have the feeling be something that you do something about and then deal with it or something else. But it becomes very difficult. It's so durable and so constant that it's, it's sometimes very difficult to be able to separate it from who you are. Mm. And to separate it from who you are ever even vaguely capable of being. Maybe right, that's imposter right. syndrome. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't love that term, but I think I get what that is, which is just this feeling that like, hey, I know that I'm a fraud. It must be obvious to everybody else that I'm a fraud. Therefore, you know, what can I even potentially do about this? Well, I think you're defining those terms as important because for people who aren't experiencing it or for people who don't realize that they are, I think a lot of people have the fear or have that feeling of anxiety or have the, the, the stress that is sort of a result of those things. And I, I've been thinking a lot about that kind of mental framework that we have of what kind of person we, we, you know, there, there is this self identity. And a lot of the times, even, even with unhealthy feelings like stress or like anxiety or like fear, like we, be, we begin to identify with those as our personal character traits. And that becomes a cycle where we're like reinforcing that line of thinking or that behavior or whatever. And, you know, not to get too Buddhist, but the Buddha used to talk about how certain, and we've talked about this here a number of times. Uh, how certain kind of trains of thought or patterns of thinking, the more you think a certain way or think about something, the more it's like a tiny little stream that becomes a river that eventually carves the Grand Canyon, where you, you get so entrenched in thinking a certain way that it sometimes becomes, I don't want to say impossible, but very difficult to get out of that kind of thinking. And I, th I mm -hmm. believe, I believe that it, 
you know, it, it, you have to sometimes really reframe things in order to, to get out of that, you know, in order to, to realize I'm thinking in a way that is conducive to thinking this way. No, and I, how do I, I get I totally out of agree. that? You know? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And it's, you know, um, I, I, you can almost think of it the way you build a habit. And if you think about building or let's see, when you think about building a good habit, we all think about, you know, New Year's resolutions and the kind of things we need to do to improve our life by consistently doing something a certain way. Well, let me jump, jump up in the stack just one level. Mm. I got a, I got an email the other day from this person who was like, I'm trying to do this thing. I want a project, I have a project where I'm asking people like, what's your one tip for becoming more productive? And I, I think I wrote two sentences. Because, you know, that's all I was capable of at the time. I right. said, I said uh, to me, um, productivity, I said, the answer is to um, figure it out what it is that you'd like to be doing a lot more of alongside the things you'd like to be doing a lot less of. And then have like the minimally viable infrastructure that you need mm-hmm. to do way more of the stuff you want and way less of the stuff you don't. And that's very abstract. That could mean lots of things. That could mean if you don't want to smoke, quit buying cigarettes. It could mean if you want to eat better, don't buy potato chips. Uh, you could just build the willpower. But it also, it really means that make, make the right thing the easy thing and make the wrong thing a little bit more difficult or unsavory. That you have to kind of reprogram yourself a little bit. Because what is a habit? Like you build a good habit, maybe through repetition and uh, a certain amount of will and a certain amount of mindfulness, which is saying, if this is a thing that I want to do, like I have to put whatever, that infrastructure could be an alarm clock. That infrastructure could be, you put your, like I say, put your toothpaste on the toothbrush to remember to brush. Uh, could be the infrastructure of like, you quit forgetting, you know, the classic David Allen, quit forgetting your briefcase by putting it in front of the door. Something really dumb. But the way you build a good habit, it, it takes such a long time. It's like, like, like losing weight or exercising. It's something where you have to really set yourself to that. Every day, I mean, multiple times a day in some cases, and you build a good habit by doing that so often that that becomes more of what you do than not. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to build a not good habit. We'll call it a bad habit because that ends up being the default that you maybe fall back to. You know, maybe you have been tired at work. And so you end up watching TV at night. When you watch TV at night, you end up eating ice cream. When right. you end up watching TV and eating ice cream, you end up going to bed later. When you end up going to bed later, you have trouble waking up in the morning, plus you forget you're lactose intolerant and you don't feel too good. Now that affects your day. Guess what happens at five or six o'clock? You feel really tired. You go home. All I want to do is watch TV. Well, if I'm watching TV, I might as well have some ice cream. Um, that It's so easy to unintentionally build a bad habit, but what they have in common is it is the sum of whatever it is that you did more often than not. It just comes down to the choice of like whether where possible, am I going to do this more than that? So what does that have to do with our discussion? If you tend to think a certain way, that's going to be pretty soon that's going to be how you think. And I don't want to make this as reductive as saying like, oh, be positive or something. But if your habitual thinking is to go and check back in with how you're doing on some intractable emotional issue, the chances are pretty good that you're not going to see what just happened as something that's going to make you feel better about that. Right. It's something that's going to make you feel worse about that. And that has an amplifying effect. It has a, a positive, ironically enough, a positive feedback loop because that just, it's an echo chamber that goes around and around. So that's why, I mean, to, to get straight to, maybe to the point of what you're describing, that's why I think this stuff is so complicated because I, I, I say this, I feel like every three weeks, but I think the way that you think starts to affect the way you see things. The way you see things starts to affect more the way you think. And then the way you think about that next thing causes what you decide. And that 
it, it, until you understand how important and intractable that loop is, it's difficult. You have to change all of it. You have to start, you, get, you can't just say, oh, I'm going to feel better today. Like, I'm going to drink a bunch of coffee and that'll solve my problem. Well, nobody's dumb enough to think that, you know, because then that has, that has effects too, right? That could actually add to anxiety. So I think you have to really accept that whatever it is that's happening to you is happening because it's happening repeatedly. And there is, you may not have, it could be organic, it could be chemical, but in your mind, something is happening that's causing it to be that way. And you have to accept that. It, there may be stuff in the world that's terrible. There may be stuff in the world that is genuinely scary, scary yeah. and anxiety producing, but you still have some role in deciding how that's going to affect how you think about things. So there are many numerous ways that people choose to try and confront this. You can change things like your, like your diet, uh, alcohol consumption or drug consumption, any of that up or down, I guess, depending on what you need. You can, you can change, but you can also change stuff like you can become a little more mindful about how much of your emotional bandwidth any given signal is allowed to have because it, it's so multiplicative. If you, don't, if you don't make a habit of noticing how you feel about how you feel, it's very unlikely you'll be able to change it. That's a pretty good spot for you to uh, tell me about something you like. I would like to tell you about Linda. You talk about changing things, right? Go and learn something awesome at Linda. They made a special URL, lynda.com slash back to work. They do such great great stuff over there and if you're looking you know because this is a show about helping people Mm -hmm. and you know jump-starting your career uh to be honest this is actually a really really great way to do it you can go to lynda.com and you're gonna see all of these really really cool courses we've mentioned the getting things done but like getting things done is over there taught by david allen the people who are out there doing the great work who enjoy teaching what they know experts in the field are, are are brought to linda and these are the folks who are making these really really cool really cool videos we're experimenting with video stuff here at uh, at at five by five, and I wanted to figure out which was the best application. So I thought, well, how do I do this? Do I like go buy Final Cut Pro and buy Adobe Premiere and uh, buy you know uh, what's the what's the other one? Uh, Av- uh, Avid, whatever. Like, do I have to go and buy the? No, I can go, and since I'm a Linda customer, I can just go and watch the five minute intro on each of these things and decide which one looks cool. Decide which one I want to try. Little things like that. There's so many different ways that you can really learn something from Linda. And then once you are using that application or, you know, focusing on the, as you know, Merlin would say, a thought technology that you want to master, <laughs> you know, you can go in and you can just watch that. Oh, I need to figure out how to do this one thing. You don't have to wade through hours of terrible videos. You jump in, use their search, jump in, find the exact part of the exact video and watch it. And you get access to over 3,000 videos with your subscription. They're giving listeners of this show a free 10-day trial. That's over at lynda.com slash back to work. Again, the free 10-day trial starts when you sign up there and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks very much to Linda for making this show possible. Pock, pock. <laughs> you know, I was about to say, every day somebody's born who's never seen the Flintstones. Uh, likewise, every day somebody's born who's never heard me use my Flintstones analogy. So <laughs> That's true. It's a total package, a topicage, as uh-huh. we say. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, um, I, I do think it is worth talking about. Um, would I be talking about this as often and with as much brio if it weren't something that were affecting me, I, I couldn't talk this much about something unless it was something that was 
in, in my own flavor. I mean, everybody's got their own little, you know, private bespoke hell. We've each got our own thing that we deal with that's, that seems like our own personal problem nobody's ever had. And I think it's valuable to say to people, like, we each have that. That is, that is our, that is our burden. That is, most of us have that. And it's up to us to do something to hopefully make it tenable. But I, you know, I don't, I feel bad sometimes repeating. I, I go back and I look at our first episode, right? Uh, it was an alligator in the bathroom and it was kind of about these, these same things, but mm-hmm. here we are, you know, over four years later and it's, it's still there. I mean, there's a reason church going people go to church every week. You know, it's nice to have a little bit of church every week. And with this, I think, I think it's worth on the one hand, yes, talking to somebody who may not have ever thought about it this way and know that there is hope and that there is a reason why you feel all screwed up and like an imposter. I think people, I think people need to hear that. I, I'm willing to risk repetition to say that, but I think it's also worth saying to somebody who's heard it 10 times, are you still thinking about that? Because there's probably a pretty good chance you're still thinking. And like, let's again, now see also square one, this is something we all need to deal with. So um, we could talk about practical components. What is that? Or, or did you have a, I, I talked for a very long time there. Did you have anything to add to that? No, I just, I feel like the big thing for me, when I think back to the first time that I realized that I had what at the time, what was called generalized anxiety disorder, and I don't mm-hmm. want to say like, I don't have that anymore. I can generally say that I don't, but it, I can say that I don't after years of therapy and meditation and like lots of other things to get to that point. And I will still say that I notice I'm like more prone to it. Like if you have like a sports injury that you have and like, you know, well, I know I got to kind of be careful with, you know, my ankle because I can still jog, but I just can't overdo it because my ankle will, you know, it'll flare up a little bit if I put too much. It's it's almost like that, right? Like Mm -hmm. I I have to look for the warning signs, but I didn't realize that I had this thing and this thing was called or is called generalized anxiety disorder where I used to, and I've, we have definitely talked about this before, but I used to, I, to the therapist that I was seeing at the time, 10 years ago, I said, you know, I said, it feels like I'm always walking around with a backpack full of bricks. And it seems like one little thing that can happen is like putting that one brick in the backpack that makes it so that I can't carry it anymore. And it then becomes like too much. And I was always at this level of stress that was, it was like right on the edge of being too much so that when one thing would happen, like, great, now I'm in traffic or, oh man, this code that I tried to com- you know commit didn't work and or my boss seems pissed off at me or this email I just got is really stressing me out or, oh, we're going to lose this new business if I don't, you know, do whatever, whatever it was, uh, or just interaction with somebody that I loved causing a, a a response that seemed to be too strong, happy, sad, angry, whatever. Like all of these things were because I was sort of in my, the way it felt was like I was carrying around this very, very heavy, very, very full backpack at all times. And that all it would take would be one little thing, one little, you know, you drop a little penny into the backpack and now it's way too much. It's way Mm -hmm. too much. I can't manage it anymore. And I would do all the things that I had read about to like, you seem stressed out. You should get more sleep. You should uh, go for a jog, watch a movie. Like I was doing all of those things and they never really, you know, they might take one brick out, 
but it never was like all the bricks were out and it took a long time of kind of figuring that out and a lot of again like the meditation thing for me was a huge huge thing and now the fact is that I don't meditate regularly anywhere near as regularly as I used to and like I notice the difference I absolutely wow. 100% notice the difference I notice it in a very tangible way and I look back on the time when I was able to dedicate probably at least an hour a day to meditation like every single day that what a what a different mindset I would be in for the entire day and the entire time period and how beneficial something like that is but realistically like we live in the modern world and especially if you have a family and kids and other people who are putting demands on you, you know, and you said this to me before, like, could you meditate if you really wanted to? Like, yeah, I could go to bed at like 830 at night and I could wake up at five before my whole family wakes up. And then that would give me the 45 minutes to do it, you know, but then there's a, well, I don't really want to go to bed two hours after I get home from work. You know, mm -hmm. I really don't want to do that. I want to do other things. Well, then you're prioritizing that, Dan, over how important meditation is yeah, But I mean, life's an, engineer, life's an engineering problem. You don't get to just pick the factors. You have to account for all those things and understand that everything you do is a trade-off. You, you don't have to think of it as a sacrifice. You don't have to think of it as a, however you want to think of it. But like anything you do with that is going to require a, a rebalancing. It is, it's an existential whack-a-mole. Like if you, and, and, and I think that gets to part of why the things that feel like they should help us feel better don't, right? So, you know, one of the things I think to be aware of is that there's a certain amount of ignoring how you feel that can make you feel better for a while. There's a certain amount of trying to re-spin it in your head to like trick yourself into some some of that stuff can be good, uh, and it certainly works for for a lot of people who don't suffer you know compulsively from these problems. That works fine. They just go, hey, you know, sports, I'll be fine. But you know, <laughs> right for for most people, I think they're they they can like oh that's a perfect example. They can watch sports or they can watch and they're just they're all right again. You know, they they de stressed that way. But the the part there's a, uh, a anti pattern here though that that. I think is worth being aware of, which is that, you know, you can't really fool your brain. And in trying to fool your brain, you can kind of make things worse. Because while you can sort of push a bad feeling out, or you can put a fresh coat of paint on it, that if it's a, if it's a durable bad feeling, there's a pretty good chance it's not going to go away by either being ignored or by being rehabilitated to look prettier. Like just putting a bow in its hair is not going to make a, a bad thought something you're welcome right. to have at the table. Right. Which means that you have to look at other options, which are much more difficult, but which require um, doing something that can sometimes be very, very painful. Uh, there's a story I know I've told multiple times on here, but uh, in her book, Bird by Bird, Annie Lamott talked about having her tonsils removed and how she, after surgery, she had like the most incredible pain she'd ever felt in her life. Like they're just that basically these muscles had seized up and she was in excruciating pain. She demands, she calls the doctor in and like, you know, she's begging the doctor, please give me something for this pain. It's, I, I can't live with this. And the doctor's like, well, you're not going to like, I, I'm, I'm not going to give you pain medicine and you're not going to like what you have to do because it's not very pleasant, but you have to chew gum. 
And she's like, chew gum. Like, this is, I, 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 I want to kill myself. This pain is so bad. And the doctor goes, yeah, yeah. And once you chew, chew gum, it's going to get a lot worse. Because the problem is those muscles are, you know, I don't know the medical term, but those muscles are, are seized up. They're kind of frozen. And the only way that you're going to get those muscles, anything but tight as a fist, is to chew gum. Long story short, she has to chew gum. She chews gum. It gets 10 times worse. It's like almost an insufferable level of pain. She chews gum. After a few minutes, the pain is gone forever. Now, life is not that simple, but I think that's an instructive way to look at things, which is that sometimes, you know, you, you do have, I'm not saying do it, feel the fear and do it anyway. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like sometimes the thing that feels like it's going to give us relief is not the thing that's going to give us resolution or it's not the thing that's going to get us closer to the problem. It might make the problem more palatable. It make the, might make the uh, problem more fun to think about. But if I could say, and I, I, this is not medical advice, um, but I think the, one of the very first things you can do is to just accept that you, and we've talked about this so much, please forgive me, but remember, Whatever you're thinking is a thought that you are thinking. It doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean that it's bad. It doesn't mean that you deserve to be how you, none of that matters. All you need to know and accept, just accept it uh, uh, just for a moment, is that whatever is in your head is there and it's you. It's part of you. It's your, it's your, you are thinking those thoughts and it's that process somewhere in that process. There's some bad wiring or you need a little oil or grease or whatever it is, but something is, a, there is something in your own head that's causing that. It's not fun to confront, but mm-hmm. to at least realize that now you suddenly realize you've not been attacked by an alien force. No one has injected anything into you. Mm-hmm. It's very unlikely that somebody has externally harmed your your mental integrity or your emotional integrity that something happened with doesn't for for our purposes right now it doesn't matter what caused that to happen but i think you first have to just once you accept that that is a thought that you are thinking you open up a whole new world of possibility because you take it from this realm of being something like a curse or this whammy that's been visited upon you that you you are compelled to walk the earth you know feeling all the time to going that's interesting a, a very common thing that people say in the world of mindfulness. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Isn't that interesting that, that I keep seeing? I, now, and so now you actually have the ability to see yourself or f- see or observe yourself feeling a certain way over and over. It's not going to make you feel quote unquote better, but it's going to make you feel different because now you do have a certain amount of agency to go, isn't that interesting? That every time this happens, that happens. Isn't it interesting that I, whenever I, this certain stimulus causes this certain response, I wonder if there's anything I could experiment with that. Is there any way that I could start doing that differently? And, you know, that can actually make you feel better or, or like a little bit of relief. It's not going to solve every problem that you've got, but I'll tell you what's definitely not going to solve every problem if you got is, is constantly rethinking those bad, those corrosive, malignant thoughts over and over and imagining that now you found home. Like now you found familiarity. Now you know what a horrible imposter you are. That's not going to make it better. It, I think, and, you know, get, get advice from other people, but my, the first thing I would say is give yourself a break if you can, you know, even if you don't deserve it, give yourself a break. Like, you know, do, do I really have to be unhappy for the rest of my life? Is there any chance that I could have one day where I've decided to like look up at the sky a little bit and just not feel as horrible? Right. Just, you know what? Give yourself on the strength. Just give yourself a day to not feel like a total dick. Like, just try it. And then now from there, there are so many roads you could go. Don't have time to get in all of them. Could be meditation, could be therapy, could be cognitive behavioral therapy, could be exercise, could be lots of things. But for this 
beginner level podcast led by beginners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the best thing I can say is accept that that is in your head, accept that you are the agent behind that, whether right. you like it or not. Right. And accept that you have the ability to see that and kind of mentally hold that thought in your hands as something that you can observe, look at from different sides and begin to explore. Like, where did this come from? Where is this going? And how often do I really want to be holding this? I love this so good. See, so, I don't think you've wait, ever said wait. those things before. You never know. It's way easier said than done because, you know, what, you know, what separates us from dogs and automobiles? It's like we have the gift and curse of self-consciousness. A dog is not aware that it's licking its balls. It's just doing its thing. <laughs> it's not thinking about how it looks. A car is not aware that it is run down. Mm-hmm. But we become aware that we are... <laughs> Let's just say run down. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I got a spine and stuff. Mm. But we can be acutely aware, very little of the fact that we, of what we are as this, you know, this emotional meat bag walking around, but be- suddenly become extremely aware of all the ways that we're broken until that essentially af- defines how we are. And that defines our possibilities. And now I sound like a motivational speaker and I hate myself, but I think it does pay to just take a minute sometimes and go like, hey, you know, do I have to be this hard on myself all the time? Do I have any agency in making this less bad? Like before you make it better, you got to make it less bad. And that starts with understanding that there could be a way into this that you're not aware of. If it's really bad, please talk to somebody. Um, well, that's, um, no, so we stop right there because I've, we've seen people write into us and said that they realized they had a thing and went to talk to somebody. And that's what, I, that, that's what I'm talking about. If I had known how screwed up I was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I would have gone way sooner if I'd known that like that might help and that might matter, you know, for someone like me. Oh, I, so I, I think mean, saying what you just said is actually really important. So hard though. It's so hard. I mean, if you, you could walk around your whole life thinking like I have a big nose and beady eyes and like, uh, or whatever your own personal hangup is. You walk around going like my arms are too short. I look like a T-Rex. Like you just feel, feel like I'm, I'm weird. I am weird and everybody knows it. And every additional person I meet is one more person who knows what a broken weirdo I am. And then maybe someday, you know, you find yourself actually saying to somebody, God, I hate my T-Rex arms. And you go like, what are you talking about? Like, just so you know, you don't have T-Rex arms. Not that I care one way or another, but like, and, and, and there's, there is the possibility that something as simple as having that happen two or three times could make you go, huh, well, on the one hand, that's kind of cool that somebody said that nice thing to me, whether or not I believe it. Hmm, maybe I'll believe that a little bit. But then another funny thing happens is third, you might go, wow, well, now what am I going to hate about myself? Well, at least that one I understood. You know, it can be very comforting, comforting to hate yourself in a consistent way or to realize what's terrible about you in a way that scales. And it takes a lot of courage. And a, I mean, like ridiculous amount of like stupid amount of courage to be able to admit something about yourself that's grinding you down, you know, and there's, there are, there are many paths, but there are paths. That's just all I'm going to say about that. I think it's so important though, and you said it before, like if you if you're hearing these things and they're resonating with you or something, really go and find somebody to talk to because it made such a huge difference. Like I found when I when I was going there the first time, uh I was just sat there and I just talked and talked and talked for like an hour and she's like, Yeah, you know, you probably need to be here. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. She's like, Yeah, you probably should be here. 
And I said, yeah. okay, uh, should I come back next week? She's like, you should come back before the end of the week. <laughs> and it was like, it was one of those, you know, one of those things. And But I did. And like, like for a while, I went twice a week and then once a week. And uh, I remember, you know, that uh, she was, she was like, you know, you're the kind of person who might benefit from something like a Zoloft, that kind of a thing. And I said, you know, I don't really want to do that. And she's like, why are you afraid it'll change you or make you not yourself? And I said, well, no, not exactly. I just want to see if I can do it uh, cognitively. And she said, well, most people, most people have a lot of trouble doing it just cognitively, you know, and thinking it through. And I said, well, good, then I'm up for that challenge. And, uh, and, you know, I just want to like be clear that like for a lot of people getting on something like will really fix things for them. It could change it in a weekend. It could. So don't. It's like fixing a faucet where you go like, I've right. had this faucet has been dripping for a year. It took a nickel part in 15 minutes and now it's gone. And now for the rest of my life, I'll mostly think about how silly it was that I didn't fix that sooner. It seems in retrospect, it seems crazy that 15 cents or that uh, five cents in 15 minutes could have changed my life. Right. Uh, did you have one more thing to tell me about that you like? You know what? I will tell you. In this very, very uplifting, non-depressing this is, episode. This has been the most helpful episode we've ever done. Trip case. Trip case. Trip case. Trip case. One app, all things. Thanks very much, Trip case, for supporting this episode of Back to Work. Buck, buck. No, uh, let me tell you about Trip case. It is a really, 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 really cool app. It runs on your favorite device could be could be an iphone could be an android phone works with that works with android Wear. works with uh, merlin's apple watch it'll mm-hmm. work with the pebble watch it saves you so much time and it is like a one-stop app that makes traveling so much easier it'll you so here, here you just booked your flight right you just got your hotel forward those two emails to trips at tripcase.com boom sets up a new trip for you knows who you are now because you've signed up Goes in now and knows you've got a trip coming up. Automatically integrates stuff. Uber integration. So when you land, like tap your watch or hit your hit your phone. Boom, there's your Uber showing up. Already knows where your hotel is. Free flight alerts when your trip changes. You can share your trip with your uh, with your home crew. You remember this place. You go down to that that awesome place. If you want to remember it. Boom, tap the 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 app. Now that place is remembered. So the next time you go back there, it'll say, oh, you went to here last time and you seem to like it destination weather, even seat maps, all of this stuff integrated into one app and the app is free. Go check it out at tripcase, tripcase.com slash B2W. Again, tripcase.com slash B2W. Go check them out and be one of the, uh, one of the amazing people who, who only need one app when they go traveling. Love Thanks it. Thanks very much, a Tripcase. Thank you for supporting uh, 5x5 and back to work. Boom. 37 minutes after the hour. Fresh hair. Truly depressing. Truly depressing. Um, I have had concerns since Minecraft became a thing that my household was aware of. We should probably save this for another episode. Let's do it. Let's do it on next week's episode because Minecraft is a serious factor in my life and has been for a long time. And now my kids like yesterday, I tried to kill a sheep and I made a wall. No, let me explain it to you. I want to explain uh, it to you. Let me walk you through this. Here comes Professor Explaining McMinecraft. There, we actually have a 5x5 Minecraft server that you I'm could... I'm on the Pocket Edition. I, I, I haven't announced that publicly for privacy reasons, okay. but we're in the Pocket... We, just, we have spent literally an hour on the Pocket Edition so far. 
but uh, we're gonna. It's I a mean, good starting point. Uh, it's really. Uh, this is gonna really test the metal of my program with my daughter on the video game program. Mm-hmm. You know that you get to play for this long, five minute warning. You know this drill. No, I do. You know, trying to teach. Uh, you know, kind of self control and time management. Uh, which are someone which someone would teach me, but teaching it through the ability to like uh, you know. But the thing is that my, it, that game is so absorbing. Even she's just in creative mode, playing around in the world, like throwing torches at things, and it's still really really fun. The flying, oh my goodness! <laughs> we should we should you know what we should probably save it. Give me some more Let's time to 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 try and kill sheep. Yes, you need you need a bit uh, time <sighs> to do that. I I would like to make a suggestion. Yes. I'm not saying you must stay there, but at the very least, spend some time in survival mode first. Uh, really? so that, yes, so that you can learn because earn, earning your stripes, you got to earn your stripes. You know, mm. you've got to, you, you want to build a little shelter to weather the this first night. This is germane night, to our know? conversation. This is exactly what we're talking about. I'm trying to take the easy, easy way out and punch some sheep with my torch. Right. And my, and my iron ore. Well, where'd you get the no. torch from? Uh, you hit the dingus, right? And but it's all no, in there. you've got to make your torch. You've got to that mine seems the like coal. A lot of work. So here, the first thing you do is you go. I'm not going to make a bed, Dan. I'm not going to make a bed. Punch a tree. Jesus. And Christ. once you punch the tree, then you uh. you craft some wood planks on just by hitting, and then then you make your crafting table. And once you've made your crafting table, then you convert the wood planks into sticks, and then you make a wooden you make a wooden pickaxe. And then you go and you mine some stone and then you go back and make mm-hmm. a stone pickaxe, which will allow you to mine the coal. Once you've mined the coal, you can go back to your crafting table. Are and you, you can, serious? This you is can, how this, yes, this then is the you game can, that listen, every little kid loves? Then you make torches. Now you've earned wow. your torches, see? Now you can mine yeah. a little bit deeper and you mm. can try and find some iron ore, which you can then take back. And how do you turn the iron ore into a pickaxe? You can't. You've got to smelt it into iron ingots. How do you smelt so you it? Smelter. You take stone and you right. make a little, yes, and then you, you put it into that. That, then it smelts it. Well, how do you power it? You, you need more coal. You have a, a wooden smelting axe, and then it's, I'm make... telling you, it is a great deal of fun. Right. And my seven year old is obsessed, obsessed, obsessed that's, with that's, this that's game. That's what worries me. That's what worries me. But it's it's good. <sighs> All right, okay. I'm you know uh, I'm gonna explore it. I like her having the chance to learn the controls and you know learn how to fly and stuff. But uh, uh, but you know, well, give me some time. I don't want it to take over my life. Oh my god so scared so much anxiety so much fear so so much stress so cold <laughs> yeah all right let's all run right. this up i let's love you do it love you too more man man <laughs> <laughs>